Well, we're going to continue what we were talking about last week. This is a year where God wants to help you break out of things in your life that's keeping you from walking in all of his blessings so that he can bring breakthrough in your life. The God of heaven wants you to lay hold of the plan of God for your life. So we're going to continue talking about laying hold of the blessing of God in your life. Today we're going to talk about how that your confession is how you release your faith to lay hold of the blessing of God in your life. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's just jump off here. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. We're going to believe God for utterance in the Holy Ghost tonight. He is the teacher. Hallelujah. I hope none of you came to hear me because I came to hear him. Hallelujah. Because he knows everything. And there's anointing on everything that he says. It lifts burdens off of you. It brings light. It brings freedom. It makes free. It destroys yokes of bondage. It, it just destroys lies that have been told to you from the enemy. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So it says here in verse 23, let us hold fast. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us hold fast. It means let us seize hold of the profession of our faith. This word profession is, you could translate it confession. It doesn't just mean talking. It means saying the same thing as God says. Amen. It's the Greek word homo logeo. It literally means hold fast to always be saying what God says. Now that's a big one because you're going to get in situations that all of a sudden you're going to be like, man, this is not working out. I can see it's not working out. I feel like it's, we're not working out. I could even smell and taste that it's not working out. But you can't say that if you hold fast to the confession of your faith. Because God never says that. He says, I'll open a door no man can shut. I will always give you the victory. You will always triumph in me. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Whoever's born of God already is a winner, already overcomes the world. So see, we say continually what he says. We hold fast to what he says. So number one, you got you to know, if God's telling us to hold fast to it, then there's going to be something coming against you to let go of it. Amen? Amen. Satan will use people. He'll use circumstances and situations. And the people are never our enemy, are never our problem. Right? And the Bible has example after example of that. We never wrestle against people. Ever. We wrestle against principalities, powers, right? Rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. It's a military satanic hierarchy that has been completely stripped and defeated by Jesus. Has no power. Can't do anything unless you let it. And so they'll try to create situations to get you to believe false things. See, if you could see it, it's subject to change. But what you can't see, God's word is not subject to change. It is forever settled in heaven. 
And God's word will change everything that you see. So if he says you always win, it doesn't matter if the time has run out and everybody is like, it's over. It's never over for you and I. You haven't messed up the plan of God for your life tonight. Isn't that good news? Every desire of your heart, the Holy Spirit has plans to walk you into all of it. Every desire. Wow. Yeah, but I've just, you know, I've just messed up with my kids, and now they're just out there. They're not serving God. They're not saved. And to all of that, because of the promise of God, you know, you can't even compare what God says to that. Because God says in Isaiah 54, it says, Great will be the peace of your children, that they will be taught of the Lord. So you could look at your son or your daughter that you've really messed up with that just has, wants nothing to do with you and wants nothing to do with the Lord, and you could smile and laugh and go, No, no, no. No. I declare that great will be the peace of my children and my children will be taught of the Lord. And when you speak that word out of your mouth that you believe in your heart, it brings the power of God on the scene and enables him now to come and he'll start bringing people across their path. Pretty soon they'll get saved. All of a sudden they'll call you one day and talk to you about how they're in church all the time. I'm telling you, our job as Christians is to rest in what God has said. Let us, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. See, our faith. Really, it says our faith in the King James Version, but that word our is in italics. It's not in the original language. The translators added it. It would read literally, let us hold fast the profession of faith. You know whose faith it is that's in your heart? You know whose faith it is that comes when you hear the word of God? It's not yours, it's his faith. Wow. That's the same faith that Jesus stood up and said, light be. And everything, was, everything that we see, he created with his faith. And now he's saying, you hold fast. You say what I say and I will watch over and perform it in your life. Because he says, I'm not a man that I should lie, neither the son of man that I should repent. That means change. If I've said it, I'll do it. If I've spoken it, I will bring it to pass. Wow, that's so good. It says, let us hold fast to the profession of faith without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful you got to know, if you leave with nothing else today, the more you know of his faithfulness, the more you'll trust him, the more you'll become fully persuaded that he's with you, that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you, that he will help you. Amen? It'll cause you to run to him. It'll cause you to get over yourself and stop opposing him. When his word says you need to change something in your life, you won't oppose that, you'll change. Yes, Lord, because you know you can't change, but you'll submit your life to him and say, okay, change me. Remember, we're the clay, he's the potter, right? He'll mold you into the man or woman of God. Fearless, strong, Healthy, 
vibrant, walking in abundance so that you can be the light in this world and yield all your fruit in your season that you're supposed to yield. Hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering or hold fast to the profession of faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. Amen? Amen. So now go over to Mark chapter 11. Let's look at this real quick. Mark chapter 11. And you know this story. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So here's Jesus. If you read earlier in the story, he's walking and he's hungry in the morning and he looks at a fig tree that the time of figs was there. A fig tree in Israel, the, the leaves come on first and then the figs come second. So if you see a, tr a fig tree with, with leaves on it, there should be figs on it. So he comes up to the tree to eat figs, and the tree speaks to him, doesn't it? Now, it doesn't literally speak to him, but it does literally speak to him because it says that he answered the tree. The tree must have said to him, when Jesus saw that it had no figs, guess what, what was spoken to him? That tree was basically saying, you're not having any breakfast this morning. So it says that he answered it. It says that he answered the tree. In the same way, have you ever had a circumstance speak to you? Have you ever had a circumstance, all of a sudden the pain hits your body and then it speaks to you? This is getting worse. Gosh, what happens if it keeps getting worse? Have you, has your, have you ever had a financial situation that's kind of spoke to you a little bit? Like when you pay all your, or when you pay half your bills and you still have more and you're not getting paid for two weeks? Guess what those, that circumstance will say? What are you going to do? You have to answer it. Jesus, in his life, he immediately answered circumstances. The principle is you immediately answer the circumstances of your life accurately with God's word. That's what we're to do. Amen. Symptom hits your body. Man, I'm ne you're never going to hear me say I'm sick. You'll hear me say I have some lying symptoms in my body that's trying to tell me that I'm sick, but I refuse it, I reject it. These circumstances, these symptoms, they have no legal right. Now, I'm not denying that they exist. I don't deny that a symptom exists. I deny it's right because the word of God, God spoke and said, Tony, 1 Peter 2.24, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Amen. Yes, sir. So I've got a symptom saying one thing, but I've got the God of the universe saying another. I'm going to hold fast to what he says. And guess what? When I believe what he said is truth and speak it out of my mouth, it brings the very power of God on the scene to change the situation. Oh, Satan doesn't want you to know that. There's a principle that you're going to see tonight. It runs all the way through the Old Testament. It runs all the way through the New Testament is you will have what you say. And you got to know that because it's your confession that releases your faith to lay hold of the blessings that God has already given to you. It's how you literally, if this is my spiritual blessing of healing, prosperity, peace, joy, I reach in with faith. When I hear that great peace have they who love thy word, 
that don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, right? With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. The Bible says, and the peace of God will mount guard over my heart and mind. When I believe that in my heart, I will speak it out of my mouth because you always speak what you see. So when revelation comes of that, because I've been meditating in that scripture, light comes and immediately, as soon as I hear on the inside of me, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will mount guard over my heart and mind. What that causes me to do is I thank you, Father. I believe I receive peace. And I reach out and I lay hold of it. And now I've got it. Now I can't see it. I may not even feel it. Probably won't feel it. But oh, as I walk around all day, Satan's going to tell me, boy, it's getting worse. You sure don't feel peaceful. I don't care. God said I have. His peace. Father, I thank you that your peace is mountain guard over my heart and mind. And all of a sudden, bam, in the midst of everything, here we go. Now is peace. I could just be minding my own business, thanking him. All of a sudden, that peace just overtakes me and mounts guard over my heart and mind. It can't not come to pass because every word of God comes to pass. Isn't that good news? So Mark chapter 11, so Jesus curses this fig tree, says no man eat fruit of you now or forever. If you'll notice the life of Jesus, he never allowed lack in his life, ever. You as a child of God who are to be an imitator of him, you're never to allow lack in your life. You don't allow it. If you're in financial lack right now, you curse it. Poverty, lack, I know you're a spirit. I know you could hear me. I know I have authority over you in the name of Jesus. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I shut you down. And Father, I thank you that I have no lack. I have no poverty in my life. I thank you that my cup overflows. I thank you that I have more than enough. Yeah, but pastor, how's that going to come? Who knows and who cares? That's God's deal, how it comes. Right? We just believe him. And so now Jesus curses this tree, and now he goes into Jerusalem. They come back. Now all the disciples heard him curse the tree. When they come back, they walk back by going, going to Bethany. They would have walked by that tree, and the tree would have looked exactly the same as in the morning. It would have looked like nothing changed. I bet all of them looked at that tree and went, okay, doesn't look like anything changed. Doesn't say Jesus acknowledged the tree at all because he's already fully persuaded, right? So they go to sleep that night. They get up the next morning and now they're going to walk into Jerusalem and they're walking by that tree again and Peter goes, oh my gosh, Jesus, master, the tree that you cursed is withered up from the root. Well, how did he know that? It would have looked like lightning hit the tree. See, because you could have cut that tree down yesterday and all it would look like is a tree that's fully green, fully alive, laying on the ground. It would still look alive, but no, Jesus' words went to the root of the situation and killed that tree and then it worked out. It took over 24 hours. If you needed to see it to believe it, you would have been the last to know. And so Jesus now, when Peter goes, Master, that tree that you cursed is dried up from the root. Now, Jesus responds. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Let me find it here. 
Jesus answering said unto them. Now Peter says, said something to Jesus. Hey, did you know, I mean, did you notice this tree that you cursed is dried up from the root? It says Jesus answered all of them now. So they were all wondering about it. Peter was just the one brave enough to say something. So he answers all of them and he says, have faith in God. Now, you could translate this in the Greek, have faith in God. You could translate it very accurately, have the God kind of faith. And now, in the next couple verses, he's going to give us a very concise just explanation of how the faith of God works. So we want to see that because we receive everything that God has given us by his grace. We receive it through faith. And faith works this way every time. In verse 23, he's going to talk about how faith works with words. So now look at what it says here, verse 23 he says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be thou cast into the sea, here's a big one, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Notice the emphasis. You're not going to have, it doesn't say you'll have what you believe. It says you'll have what you say. There's a lot of Christians that believe that God's a healer, but yet they stay in sickness because they're not releasing their faith. They're not taking possession of it. The Bible, the operation of faith says you'll have, see, God in eternity could have said or could have just within himself, he wanted light to happen and he could have stood there and light would not have came until he spoke it. Why? Because that's the way faith works. You got to speak it. Notice it talks about how speaking, it talks about speaking three times and only believing one time. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He'll have what he says. So we have to emphasize, have you ever noticed how much trouble you have speaking right and how easy it is to speak wrong? Oh man, you lean into your flesh at all, you'll have all kinds of junk coming out of your mouth. You'll be walking around all day when you want to change going, wait, hope. Lord, I repent of that. I don't believe that. And then you walk, you know, I just, my knee's killing me. Oh, man, shoot. God, you know, I mean, you'll just keep doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that, right? But if you'll just make a commitment, God will help you. Pretty soon, you'll only do it 40 times a day when you mess up. Then it'll get down to 30 and then 20, right? Pretty soon, you'll go, oh, my gosh, I went a whole day without saying one thing out of my flesh. You could get to a place where you start believing your words. Because believing your words are so very important to, the, to faith. It, it's, see, but here's a key, though. You can't speak right if you don't think right. 
So you got to think right so that you believe right. Have you ever heard me say this? You guys probably never heard me say that. At least this since Sunday, right? But you got to think right so that you can believe right. So that you can what? Speak right. So that you can live right. Living right is living according to the blessing of God. So very, very important. So he says here some real powerful things. Then he says now, now, now from verse 23, we already see, it says here, you'll have whatever you say. Your words govern your life. You'll never be able to get away from that. That's a principle of God. Your words govern your life. You can have what you say. So what I mean by that is if you say what God says, you'll have what he says. You can't just say anything you want. See, people will say, oh, that faith stuff. You're just telling God what you, you're just demanding of him. It's like, well, wait a minute. It's the Greek word homo logeo. It means to say what God says. So no, 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 we're not demanding God to do something. We're making a demand to receive what he already said he's given us. We're calling for it. It's like, God, you know, Father, can you pass me my healing? Can you give me my biscuits? We say, give us this day. His daily bread? No. Give us this day our daily bread. Because God's already done everything for you that he'll ever do. It was finished in Christ. You have everything. And we'll even stand up in churches and go, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder if anybody's in lack in heaven. No. To be honest with you, see, as so many Christians are so, you know, we got to get out of here before the tribulation and all, which we are, praise God. But, but, but you know, it's not, about, it's not about you and I going to heaven. It's about you and I bringing heaven to this earth. That's what it's about. So now in verse 24, he says, Therefore, I say unto you, now he's going to tell us how faith works in prayer. What things soever you desire, wow, that word desire is a great word. It means what things soever you call for, make a demand for, or require. It says here, when you pray, believe that you receive them, or believe that you receive, seize hold of them. And then it says what? And, you'll, and then you'll have them. You have to believe that you seize hold of something before you'll actually have it. You actually have it in the spirit realm, and what it means by then shall have it is you'll see it here. Because that's the goal, isn't it? It's my desires as your pastor who loves you with all of my heart, with love, who loves you with the love of God, that you don't walk in victory in theory. Because theory won't do anything for you. Theory won't pay your mortgage. Theory won't get depression and fear out of your life. Theory won't define your identity. God wants you to walk in victory experientially. He wants you to experience everything. And this book, this word of his, this record of the words of the God of the universe, every one of them are true. And the God of the universe watches over every one of them to bring it to pass. So now I want you to see something before we jump in the Old Testament. We look at a couple stories. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 11. 
Hallelujah. So here we go. Verse 11 of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. Now this verse is saying something, a key principle to understanding uh, faith, to understanding the things of God. We read the Old Testament under the light of New Testament truth. That's how we understand it. And, it, and what this is talking about here is it's talking about the children of Israel, the story of them coming out of Egypt, being in the wilderness, and then going into the promised land and obtaining their inheritance. That, that Old Testament story and all these stories in the Old Testament, this principle is for all of them. It says in verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for, in the King James it says, and samples. All these things that we read about in the Old Testament that happened to the children of Israel, they are to be an, an example for us. That Greek word, ensample, means example. It means a type. It means a pattern. So if you see a pattern in the Old Testament, you could carry it right over to the New Testament, that same pattern. This Greek word means a type, a die, a form, a stamp, an example, a model, a pattern. Now all these things happen to them so that they would, it would be an example to us. It, it'd show us a pattern. It'd be a type of something. And they are written, these things are written for our admonition. This Greek word means they're written to call our attention to some things. They're written to warn us. And then it says a wonderful thing because this verse was written to Faith Family Church, to you and I in this hour. Because it says, upon whom the ends of the world are come. This is awesome. Literally, in the Greek it reads, to whom the fulfillment of the ages has arrived. What, what is that? It's the church age. And we're the church. We are at the end of the end of the end of the church age. Isn't that, oh, I just get goosebumps on top of goosebumps, man. This is written to us. So now, when I read the Old Testament, it's very important that I understand New Testament truth. Because it's my pattern, it's my example. Here's an example. Like when they went into the, when, when they went back and they went into the, uh, into the land of Canaan, when they finally got it right, that second generation, right? First generation died in the wilderness. Think about that. Two to seven million Jews leave Israel or leave Egypt. Them coming out of Egypt is a type of us getting born again. Them going through the Red Sea supernaturally, the Bible even says that's a type of baptism, water baptism. It was to be an 11-day journey through the wilderness. It's an 11-day journey. There was a teacher at Ramah that took this big red pen and took a map of the wilderness and drew, and, and everywhere where it said they went, drew a line. I'm bad with directions, but this was unbelievable. The whole map was like red. It was just, they were going everywhere, and God was like, it's an 11-day journey. And then they were to be at the Jordan River, Kanesh Barnea, and they were to go across. But at Kanesh Barnea, they said, we can't have what God says he's given us. And because they didn't believe what God said, 
that whole generation of people from 20 years old and up, two to seven million Jews, I personally, I think it's probably two to three million, but it could be as high as seven million. They died in the wilderness. They never walked in what God had for them. Isn't that sad? Do you know how many millions of believers today are in the wilderness and they're looking at their inheritance? In our society, they're looking at it going, oh, that healing stuff, that's ridiculous. God doesn't provide healing for everybody. They not only say they can't have it, they mock it. They owe that prosperity stuff. Now, now we give them enough ammunition because a lot of the prosperity teaching is ridiculous. You know, you can't ever seek, seek things and get and walk in prosperity because prosperity is knowing him. So as you get to know him and you seek him, he just adds everything, which is really cool because everything in your life, he adds something and you're like, wow, that, that is really cool. I know when I get a gift, I'm sure it's the same with you. It's not so much what it is. It's the fact that somebody thought enough, right? So, so here the children of Israel are. They all died. And then 40 years later, where are they? Where are their 20 years and up, this new generation that saw everything the first generation saw? Guess where they ended up? Exactly right back where their parents were. So what's the pattern? Now remember, you love me, and, and I, I will tell you the truth. Here's the pattern spiritually. God has a plan for your life. It's so much bigger than you. Your eye can't see it. Your mind can't even think about it. The word has to show it to you. And you'll be tempted to look at some of this stuff and go, I can't have that. I'm not good enough. You'll be tempted. And if you choose not to follow God's plan for your life, let's say this is God's plan for my life. This is where God ultimately wants me to end up and fulfill. But let's say, or let's say it's, that's the doorway to it. And here I am and I'm, I'm messing around and finally the Spirit of God will lead me right up to it. But if I, when I'm there sit there and go, no, I, I just, I, I'm too afraid, I can't do, I can't start that business, I can't step out, I can't do this. What happens now is I have an evil heart of unbelief. What is that? An evil heart of unbelief is saying to yourself that you can't have what God says he's already given you. And then it says, because your heart is there, you're departing from the living God. So what happens is you start walking around the mountain again. I'm, I'm really well versed to teach this because I've walked all over the mountain. You know, I mean, and God never gave up on me and he'll never give up on you. He doesn't get mad when you turn and walk away. Doesn't please him. But he goes to work trying to get you back in that position. But here's the thing. You can't get promoted past it. So you'll have to go around the mountain. And here we go again. You'll come right up. Boom. The same thing. That's the spiritual principle that it talks about here with the children of Israel. You'll never go to third grade if you don't get through second grade. Do you know how many Christians don't get out of kindergarten because they won't honor God in their finances? 
the God who's the provider of everything. Do you know how many Christians don't go and walk in any of the blessings of God because they refuse to forgive somebody who hurt them that may not even be on the planet anymore? Right? Refuse. I just, I refuse to do what God wants me to do. And so this is where all this nonsense comes from. Well, you know, you just never really know what God's going to do. Because sometimes he says yes. And sometimes he says no. And sometimes he just says wait. But, but his ways are higher. And that's why. And maybe he's just, he's just put, some, put some things, or maybe he's just allowed some things to teach you. And to all of that nonsense, I have one question. Bet you know what that question is. Where is that in the Bible? Because it's not there. It doesn't, say all, it doesn't say all the promises of God are yes, no, or wait. It says all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen, which means so be it unto me. See, we got to understand these things. So now, go back to Numbers 13 real quick. Numbers chapter 13. Guys, I hope, man, this is burning in me. Numbers chapter 13. I believe that's where I want to start. I'm heading to Numbers 14, 28, but I can't go there right now. Yeah, Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. So we're talking about 2 to 7 million Jews who were on an 11-day journey that took them 40 years. So verse 27, it says this. And they told him. So now what's happening right here is that they sent 12 spies into the promised land to see, to spy out the land. Not to see if they should go in, but to see that they were supposed to go in and how to do it. Ten of them came back with an evil report. They came back with ten reasons why they couldn't go in. Now, what's hilarious about the ten reasons, all ten reasons God already told them. Hey, this land, people mightier than you, cities bigger than you. Don't worry about all that. The battle's mine. I've already given you this land. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, let's go get it. Let's go take it. But the ten persuaded the whole nation. So this is the story. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentst, where you sent us. And surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, I know God's a healer, but... And then we start talking about what we're seeing or feeling. I know God's a provider, but then we start talking about what we're seeing or feeling. This is a pattern. Do you see that? It says here, surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, oh man, one word that caused them to die in the wilderness. The people be strong that dwell in the land. Okay, God already told us that. And the cities are walled and very great. Okay, God told us that. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, a mighty tribe of killers. Yeah, but God already told them that there were people like that there. It goes on, the Amalekites, all this stuff. Then in verse 30, 
you could just see Caleb. This dude is off the chart. I mean, at 85 years old, he's like, Joshua, you told me 40 years ago I could have that mountain. It was the fiercest tribe in the, in the promised land. He said, I'm 85 years old. I could fight as good as I could when I was 45. Give me that mountain. It says, Caleb, could you imagine? 85-year-old man with a sword and some men went up there and destroyed that tribe and took that mountain. So Caleb, you could just imagine, he's probably ready to cut somebody's head off. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, he stilled the people. He didn't get up and go, hey, uh, excuse me, can I say something? No, that wasn't Caleb. It said, he, said, he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Why? Because God said he would go with them and he had already given them the land. But the men that went up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And it says they brought up, they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, you should write that down in your Bible, an evil report saying, They spoke it. Keep that in mind. Right? When God says one thing and we say another thing, you are departing from God. Know that. Now you're still his child. And if you'll ever change your mind on that, everything's still there for you. You don't get a million miles away. If you're departing from God, here's the cool thing. So you're departing from God, but he's with you. You just don't sense it. But if you ever come to yourself and decide to believe him, you don't have to go way back. All you got to do is just repent. Just change your mind, and guess what? He's right there. And all the promises are still yes and amen to you. You don't have to go, you don't have to, you know, I got to pray 25 hours, and I need to read the whole Bible before he's going to do. No, 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 no. It's not. Remember, all the blessings of God are not conditional on, on what you do to earn them. They're conditional simply on you just obeying because it positions you to receive them because he's already given it. So it says here, they brought up an evil report of the, of the land until the children of Israel saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. So now let's this verse... The New Testament breaks this verse down. So let's go to the, keep your finger here because we're going to come back, but go to Hebrews chapter 3 in verse 12. Hebrews chapter 3 in verse 12. It's going to give us an expanded version of what happened back there. In verse 12 of chapter 3 of Hebrews, he says this, Take heed, brethren, now he's talking to Christians, lest there be in any of you an evil report of unbelief in departing from the living God. An evil report of unbelief. That word literally means, unbelief means unpersuadable. An evil report, an evil heart of unbelief means, means a heart that, that says, no, I just, I'm unpersuadable. You can't persuade me that what God said is true. It literally means also rebellious disobedience. 
It's, it's that you're rebelling. What, what happens? How, what does that look like in a Christian's life? All you're doing as a Christian is you're just allowing your mind to side with the sin nature in your flesh. And that's all you're doing. Your spirit's ready to go, but you just haven't been feeding them. And your mind's not renewed, so the mind is the control center. Whoever your mind sides with, if your mind sides with your spirit, you'll walk in faith, you'll walk in the love of God, you'll be led by the spirit of God, you won't be moved by circumstances. But if you just decide to live your own life and you don't put the God's word first and you're not full of it, if it's not always in your mouth, if, it's, if, if, you're, if you're not walking, just being led by the Spirit of God all the time, what happens is your mind will side with your flesh and you'll get off and start saying things like, I can't have what God says he's given me. And then you'll even go further and say, you know, well, maybe he's not really given it to me. Maybe it is conditional. And well, you know, maybe God does heal some and not others. And maybe God, and then after a while, maybe God does bless some and not others. And you keep going down that road and then all of a sudden, this is what your chair looks like in the church you're planted in because you just kind of, you go through this cycle of, I try to live for God, I fall, I repent. I try to live for God, I fall and I repent. And nothing's ever working and nothing's ever working. And finally, I just give up. That's where most of our brothers and sisters are living. Do you know how strange it is to Omaha, Nebraska to have a Wednesday night church service? It's going to be hilarious when all the churches are having Monday through Sunday services 24-7 because revival's breaking out and so many people are getting saved and healed. We're living at the end of the age. I believe we're going to see that. I got so excited I just lost my place. No, I'm just teasing. But it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So now go back to Numbers 38 or Numbers 13 again, and let's look at verse 33. Let's keep talking about this story real quick. So now let's look at verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come from the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. If you have an evil heart of unbelief, that's the way you'll see yourself. You'll see yourself as never enough. Now we learn 40 years later that Rahab tells the spies, it's interesting how Joshua just sent two spies next time, and I'm sure these guys were animals. Because Joshua probably interviewed him. So here's the deal. You say anything contrary to God's word, I'll cut your head off myself. I want you guys to go in there, right? And, and when, they were, when they were in the city of Jericho, Rahab had to hide them. And she's like, oh my gosh, for 40 years we've been freaked out about you guys. We, and, and she said, we were like grasshoppers in your sight. I'm telling you, Satan... The only reason why he's not scared of you is because he's spiritually dead and has a stupid nature. But the minute you submit your life to God and resist him, the Bible says he runs like he's in terror. You could imagine those little demons that are assigned against you. They have no power. So this is why we got to get this right. It says here, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And that's not true. That's a lie, isn't it? 
So chapter 14, verse 1. Well, let me just say this. We think, just as they thought, they were thinking the problem was their weakness. Right? We're just not strong enough. Their problem was not their weakness. Their problem, what was it? Is they didn't know God's ways, so they didn't believe him. Right? They didn't believe that God was big enough. See, what defeated the children of Israel, that first generation? The giants didn't defeat them. Their wrong thinking defeated them. And it caused them to die and never experience the blessing of God. Well, not us. Amen? Amen. We're going to go in. And all the congregation lifted their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. They were just bummed out because, man, we can't go in. And all the children of Israel murmured. That means to complain continually against Moses and against Aaron. But guess who they were really murmuring against? God. You know, as a pastor, I've had people murmur against me. But in reality, I really have had nobody ever murmur against me. They're murmuring against him. You've never had anybody really do you wrong or murmur against you that way. They're murmuring against him. They don't even know it. Thank God because he forgives. Right? He does nothing but forgive and love. It's awesome. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. They wanted to be slaves. Or would God that we would have died in this wilderness. Now jump down to verse 6. Now, now this is in, incredible. Because here's what you need to know. Faith activates the victory. The faith of God that comes when you hear his word it activates the victory in your life. You already have the victory because you're born of God. But faith activates it. And this, First John, right? And this is the victory that we have in him. Right? Whoever, or I should say it this way. Whoever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. It's even our faith. Our faith activates the victory. So let's keep going with this. Verse 6. Gosh, this just came up. I've said this before. See, some people, some people's faith doesn't work. And in reality, the reason why their faith doesn't work is because it's not faith. Because faith will never work if you have a wine in your voice. And I'm not talking about the liquid wine. I'm talking about the wine in your voice. I just don't know why this is happening to me. Just nothing ever goes right in my life. Are people in hard situations and does our heart go out for them? Absolutely. But I'm here to tell you tonight, if you have those words in your mouth, you literally are opposing God. He can't get anything over to you. If you'll, if you'll look past everything and look to his word and go, you know what? I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand this. And this, is, this seems like it's over. But you know what? You say it's not over. And you say you're in my life, so I choose to thank you for the victory. That'll get you over and everything. Because, man, God comes on the scene. Oh, my goodness. He's looking. 
His eyes are looking to and fro in the whole earth. And he doesn't have to look very far to see you because he's in you. And he's watching. And he's ready to show himself strong on your behalf. He wants you to know that when you believe, there is power that's available to you. His power that's available when you believe. Verse 6. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of that guy, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes and spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, if the Lord, it means be pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land. See, Joshua has already spent his whole life telling him the Lord is pleased with us. If we obey him, he's pleased. Will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. Only rebel not against the Lord. How did they rebel? Their, re their words rebelled against the Lord, and God called that evil. So now, let's keep going with this. Let's jump over. We're running out of time here. Verse 18 See, God has already, he's already declared you're victorious. He's already declared you're more than a conqueror. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God's already declared this. It says here in verse 18, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of these, this people according to the greatness, the greatness of thy mercy, as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said in verse 20, I have pardoned according to your word, Moses. Whew. See, unbelief is rebelling against what God said. So now, look at what God says in verse 21. He says, but as truly as I live, this is an unchanging, this would be called in the Hebrew language, an oracle of God. As truly as I live, that means as long as I'm alive, which I'm always alive, what's going to happen? All the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Wow. So we know that's going to happen. And then he said in verse 22, because all those men which, you've seen, which have seen my glory, they've seen my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times. Every one of them that gave an excuse why we couldn't go on. God's saying, you're tempting me ten times. That's pretty crazy. I don't ever want to be accused of tempting God. And have not hearkened unto my voice. That means they're not hearing and obeying. Surely they, have, surely they shall not see the land which I've swore to their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. That word spirit literally means mind. He, he was of a different mind. And hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went. And his seed shall possess it. 
And then he keeps going, and then in verse 28, look at what he says. He says, say unto them, as truly as I live, here's another oracle, an unchanging, never-ending law of God. Saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. That's a little vague because it's the, it's the permissive tense. It's saying, whatever you've, what you have spoken in my ears, so will I allow to you. If you say you can't be healed, God says, okay, then, you, I, then I can't give my healing power to heal your body. If you say, see, it's, it's not that God's withholding. He can't because he'd have to violate your will to get some of these blessings over. Isn't that good news? So all you got to do is hold fast to say what he said. This is huge. What they said kept them out of God's will for their life. Don't let what you're saying keep you out of God's will for your life. Do you know that God told them for 600 years that he gave them the land? As I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, for 600 years. Do you know today, literally, if we just go in the New Testament alone, for 2,000 years, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Jesus said, you'll have what you say. Hebrews 10.23, hold fast to saying the same thing that I say. If you'll do that, you'll have what you say. So we're going to have to go. I, there's so much more in me on this. We'll have to probably keep going with this next week. God wants you to lay hold, but you've got to get your speech right. So I'm, I'm, I want to take you. What's in my spirit, I, I see like Deuteronomy chapter 11. There's a great story. Joshua 1.8, where he, I mean, you can see it. Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, is huge. For she said continually within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. She got exactly what she said. You'll see in this story of the children of Israel, every one of them got exactly what they said. God's for you. We'll close with this. He's for you. All of his promises to you are yes and amen. And he's saying, oh, hear and obey my word. Get to know me so that I can cause you to walk in all of the blessing of God. Amen?